going to have a bit of a laugh about at 2020's expense when we come to uh, our Christmas services in a couple of weeks' time. But the, 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 the challenge when we go through challenging seasons, I'm seeing how many times I can say challenging in a sentence, but, but one, of the, one of the challenges is when we face tough times is that those things can become pervasive. And we can begin to believe that there's nothing to celebrate. There's nothing good going on. And, and I, I want to pause for a moment to say, uh, for, for this morning and say, there, are, there is always reason to celebrate. There are always things to be grateful for. God is always at work in and through the church. Circumstances do not thwart that. They will never stop God's ability to work in and through his church and in this world. And so we want to celebrate that this morning. We want to remember that this morning and and actually, I want to acknowledge that the things that have gone on this year and the restrictions we face under COVID have actually opened up new opportunities and things we never thought we'd be able to do and things that you never would have tolerated us doing. But we had the opportunity to try some different stuff. And so what it enabled us to do is actually have people leading in environments and in ways that wouldn't just weren't in the, in the picture last year. And so what I want to do is just invite Caitlin up and David up um, to come and share just about two of the things they've been involved in. Are you going to pretend you don't actually know what you're talking about now? Yeah, great. That would be really funny, Caitlin, but we did talk about this. Okay, so give them a warm welcome. Yeah, it's down at the same time. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, so I was invited to share a little bit about my journey with worship leading, and particularly over the last year. Um, I should say it took a year for me to get involved in worship leading, and more than a gentle nudge from Jenny. Um, thank you. Um, and it was quite a big deal for me to step out into that. It's quite a vulnerable thing, stepping into any role, I think. Um, so I have, I have found that hard, even this morning, getting out and standing up there was was hard for me um but I have yeah I've learned a lot this year and um something that really helped I suppose was actually lockdown and being invited to do those Facebook live worship sessions because all I had was my flatmate hiding in the corner and um a mirror image of myself and half an hour to worship and to to lead people who may or may not be watching, joining online. Um, and it was really an interesting journey to, to reflect on what worship is about and what I would be trying to achieve for myself, um, but also how that could help and encourage others uh, from their homes. And um, yeah, I didn't love it, but I loved the opportunity to spend half an hour um, just focusing on God and, and thinking through that in, in an intentional way. Um, and then coming out of lockdown, um, I actually found it really hard. That they had the, um, the worship sessions over at City in the afternoons. And the first time I went, I had such survivor's guilt. I was like, how can we gather together and praise the Lord when most of the world cannot? And you know, that's not, that's not changed. Um, we are in such a privileged position. And yet, God... Uh, spoke to me and he just prompted me he is the god of the whole world and when we when i stand up there or when i join in the congregation um, and sing praises i get to lift before him his world 
I get to stand and give praise on behalf of his people, where people can't, cannot, whether there's people in this room who, who can't sing, I get to, to build up and encourage them by raising my voice. I, um, where there's people, my, my family at home, who can't gather together and worship, um, I get to sing on their behalf um, and give praise to the Lord. And, yeah, that's something I'm taking into each week uh, or when I'm at home or here. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been an encouragement for me. There you go. Was that what you were expecting? <laughs> that's great. That's great. Thanks so much. And I love... Oh, yeah. That's valid. You know, and I love that you just had the courage to step into something, you know. And, and it's, I think it's so good for us to hear that when people play a part in something, it doesn't mean they feel like, oh, I'm confident I've got everything together. It's like this. It takes courage, right, for you to lead us in worship, and we're so grateful for you to do that. And, um, and David, uh, COVID led us to um, trying sort of Sunday services in a completely different way. And one of the things I really loved about um, having Easter at home this year was that it, it, it meant that um, we didn't sort of share the message that gathering on a Sunday is about gathering with Jenny and I. And so as people uh, gathered in different homes around this area, they gathered with different leaders and different people uh, uh, leading that time through. You were one of those people. You and Laura led an Easter home. Yeah. Uh, so home. how was that? You know, it's a, you know a crazy year and a challenging year for a variety of reasons. I think for all of us. Um, but I, I found that to be a really a bright spot for me. Right. Um, you know, we we had hosted several of them and, and led and led one of them. And uh, you know, I thought it was a, it was a number of things. It was a good chance to kind of take a fresh look at what church is. Um, yeah. You know, Christians coming together to learn and worship and support each other. Um, but it was also, uh, you know, at least for me personally, like I, I, a chance to connect in like a smaller group, I guess, like right. uh, meet some new people or catch up with some people I hadn't really talked to in, in a long time. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and beyond that, um, I felt like the, like the prayer time and the discussion time, because it was a smaller group, we could go a little deeper and a little more personal, a little more intimate. Yeah. Um, so, I really, I really got a lot out of it um, to a degree that, like, coming back here, like, I was happy to be back, and it was great to kind of be back to normal. But I also, it was a little bit, I had a little bit of mixed feelings because I actually was, in a lot of ways, really enjoying um, yeah. uh, this this kind of smaller church experience. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's worth thinking about how we hold on to that a little bit, whether it's in our life groups or or other gatherings or or. Uh, That's a great point. Yeah. That's a really great point. And uh, how did you find it leading? Like, how, did you enjoy that? Was that good? Or yeah, it was. It was good. Um, although hosting or leading, I, either way, I felt like I, I just kind of enjoyed the experience. Yeah. 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 Oh, so good. Yeah. Hey, let's show appreciation. David actually said to me in the aftermath of that, like, I think I'm going to miss small church. You know, I think I'm going to miss small church. Um, and I, I think it's important for us to consider, to, to remind ourselves that what we do here is a way of doing church, not church. This is, this is just a way of us gathering. And I think it's so important for us to think about that. You know, when we think about mission, when we think about helping people become total followers of Jesus Christ, when we think about the increasingly secular culture that surrounds us and our commitment to, to introduce as many people to Jesus as we can, it's so important that we don't hold on to a particular way of doing church and say, this is it, and if it's not it, it's not good enough. 
No, our heart is to say, what is the very best way of us growing as followers of Jesus? What is the very best way of us introducing as many people to Jesus as possible? And if that means doing it east at home, or if that means doing it in here, or if that means doing finding some different way of doing it, we have to go after that. And one of the things I'm so grateful for you guys this year is you've just sort of come along on the journey. <laughs> you've been willing to try new things. You've put up with, you've, you, you've been so gracious with Jenny and I and our leadership and in our working out what this year looks like and how we've navigated through. And I think we've come out with some really great learnings around what church can uh, look like. Um, wh- one of the other things I wanted to celebrate today is just ways that people have been growing. And I realize that there are so many stories that um, you will hear around the place. And maybe if you're in a life group are being shared there. And we would never be able to sort of share all of those uh, stories in one moment or in one morning. In fact, I would encourage you, if you're in a life group, make sure that you're taking time to share. How have you been growing this year? Who's somebody who's made a difference in your life? What's one thing you started or tried that made a difference for you this year? And one of the guys that I really wanted to share, because he was talking to me recently about it, is Rick O'Meara. And um, if you know Rick and Raina, you'll know we tried three times for them to... Um, for them to uh, dedicate little Ariel. It was like, did we manage it on the fourth time around or the third time around? It got cancelled twice, then they had cold. So I think we cancelled it three times. And so when I arranged for Rick to share this morning, guess what? He's got a cold and he's not here. But he sent me an email and asked permission to read this out. And, um, and so it comes out of um, them reading a new book by John Mark Comer. Some of you will have heard it called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so he says, he says this, when we started studying that book as a life group, I adopted a morning prayer walk immediately. I would walk around my block to Wexford Road until I got to the top of the hill and looked over the peninsula to get my head right in quiet, solitary prayer. At the time, I wasn't speaking to my uncle back in the States. Our political debates had turned ugly and he had some intentionally hurtful things made me real, he said some intentionally hurtful things made me realize there was no value in our interactions. I'd resign myself to the idea that I may never speak to him again. But during my prayer and Bible study, I felt convicted by Matthew 6, 14 to 15, which says, For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. My pride did not want to first be the first to forgive, since my uncle took pride in never apologizing. The tug from God to forgive was so strong, so I cold-called him through video chat. He was very surprised to hear from me and had a very good conversation. There was no explicit apology on either side, but it was unspoken. Now things feel much more on a solid footing. I see this not only as God's will speaking directly to me, but my prayer walks made me a more obedient follower of Christ. How good's that? Reconciliation, restoration, life change. As Rick just adopts this posture of, I'm going to get out in the morning, I'm just going to go for a prayer. I'm just going to get myself in a space where I can, where I can get before God and, and let him challenge me through his word. 
I love that story. It's so good. I wish he was here to share it with you this morning. And I was talking to somebody recently about what it would look like to be a church that genuinely sees people growing as followers of Jesus. And they said to me, if I dropped into a scene in three years' time and that's what you were doing, what would I see? And I said to them, you would need to not just come at 10 a.m. on a Sunday. You'd need to drop in around some meal tables. You'd need to drop in in some cafes. You'd need to drop in on some walks. Because, because if we are genuinely this, this community that is growing together, it has to be more than just like a formal gathering or a life group here and there. It has to be life on life in all sorts of aspects of life, in, in all sorts of areas. And, and, um, and, and what I love about Gemma's story is it shows that she wasn't talking about growing as a follower of Jesus just because she comes, you know, for an hour and a half on a Sunday or even because she serves here, even though she does. She's talking about growing because she's met people here who are a bit older than her that she's learning from. And one of the things I'm so, I so love about Gemma is she's intentional about spending time with our girls. And, and my view is if, if my girls grew up more like Gemma, that would be a good thing. And so we're seeing this interaction and it's, um, and it's not in just these moments. It's in all sorts of aspects of life that we're growing together. And I really love that. And I want, I would, I want you to make sure you go away from this morning with a, with a bigger view of church community, with a wider view of what it means to follow Jesus and to learn from one another and to grow together. Well, one of the other things that we really talked about wanting to be intentional about this year was being known as a church that makes a difference. We didn't want to just be about ourselves. We wanted to be about the community. And, uh, and this year has been like this just God opening an incredible door for us to serve uh, in a way that we never have before. And, and it's something that we wanted to do uh, long ago, but it just never really came about. And I have to say that I don't think it could have come about earlier, that it's in the consistency of us in the community and serving different ways that it actually opened up opportunities where we're trusted um, to do some stuff. And so this year we launched uh, community dinners uh, out of lockdown, uh, something that goes on at 5.30 on a Wednesday at the community centre. And that is being led now by this like trinity of leaders uh, Kim Julian is a part of that, but also Alex and Dylan Gearing. Guess what? They're not here this morning, but they too have put together a cheeky little video. And so we're going to watch uh, them sharing about community dinners now. Hi, everyone. I'm Dylan Gearing. And firstly, we just wanted to say thank you to everyone that's been so welcoming as we've come to the street east over the past few weeks. And it's been so awesome to meet you all. And if we haven't met you yet, we're really excited to. And if also, if you don't know, uh, we're the leaders of Strathmore Park Community Dinners on Wednesday nights. And we just wanted to take a little bit of time to tell you not only how uh, these dinners are having an impact on the community, but also on us as well. Yes, and that impact is growing and growing over the past few months. We have seen people from all walks of life, make new friends. Uh, make friends with people who live right around the corner from them and they didn't know. Um, we've had people tell us that they feel like the dinners are a safe space and that they look forward to Wednesday nights. We've had people ask questions about church and what church are you with? Why are you doing this? What is your motivation? We've had people come to church, which is amazing if you've seen any new faces. Um, and lastly, we've had people with less than $20 a week 
They get to eat it with their friends, and they often get to leave with a takeaway container for home. And we believe that that's what the kingdom of God is all about. And we're thankful just to be a part of it. Yeah, totally. And, you know, this has taught us so much as well. Um, 2020 has presented a lot of challenges for a lot of people. And a year ago, Alex and I would have never thought we were moving to New Zealand at the start of a global pandemic. And it has just been so rewarding through that to be a part of these community dinners. We've learned more about ourselves and grown as a couple through leading something like this. And also, it's just been so great to meet everyone. We never thought it would be such a challenge to meet people and get to know people every week, but it's been so rewarding. Uh, and we're learning a ton. We are learning what it's like to be from Nigeria or Colombia or the Philippines and move to New Zealand, and or what it's like to just grow up on the peninsula for your entire life. Uh, you know, it's so cool to be engaged with this community, and we're learning so much, and we're just so blessed to be a part of it. Yeah, and we want to end with a shout-out to all the amazing people who volunteer and welcomed us into their lives uh, and come every week to clean, help set up, um, they do it all. And we also want to thank Simon and Jenny for having the vision to start this whole community dinner and to do all the legwork. And last but not least, we wanted to thank Kim Julian, our partner, <laughs> uh, who organizes all the food every week. And we wanted to welcome all of you to come. If you want to come at, on five, at 5.30 on Wednesdays at the Community Center. And you can just come and eat and relax. Uh, if you want to do more, you can talk to us or Kim at church or email eastadmin at thestreet.org. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Yeah, hope to see you there. Ah, so good. Good old Dylan and Alex. And you know what? That invitation is genuine. Our heart was never to do something in the community that was like, we serve you. It is, we bring a heap of food and we sit around and we share a meal with people. And every single week, I have the most incredible conversations. Jenny laughs at me so much because there are moments that make me look so like white middle class British. It's really bad. Um, so what's home D? It's home detention. Great, lovely. Um, I know all about that. Um, you know, like, but every single week I get to talk to people, hear their stories, pray with people, share Jesus with people. It's ridiculous. And so even if you just want to come, no strings attached, come have a meal, come see what it's like, uh, please do so. We'd love to see you there. Jen, do you want to do this next bit? Yeah, she didn't run away. So talking of community dinners, um, Daisy has very bravely agreed to come and share a few words. She is very nervous, so please be really supportive and give her a lovely clap. Come on. Come here. So one of the things Daisy's a bit nervous about is she's just learning English, and so I said I'd help her out, so just we're going to be kind. So I've just got five questions that I'm going to ask Daisy that I've lost. But the first thing is, 
Daisy, tell us about where you're from and how you came to be in New Zealand. Yeah, I'm from Colombia. Good morning, I'm Daisy. I'm from Colombia. I'm refugee people. I stay in Oakland for two months and then coming here to Wellington. Uh, one year and seven months. One year, seven months. So she's a refugee from Colombia, yes. if you didn't catch that. Now, Daisy, you told me the story about why you named your daughter Wikitoria, <laughs> and I'd love it if you can just tell us about that. Yeah, este, when I stay in Cuenca, Ecuador, I have no idea that says pregnant. And then coming here, I say, are you pregnant? No, I say, Yes. Okay, and then I think uh, Victoria is the right name, my daughter. And then one lady is from here, the Maori, and she is, uh, my name is Wikitorio. Wow, it's, it's a beautiful name. And then it's, uh, my name is in English and Spanish is Victorio. I think my daughter. <laughs> and then t- talking with my translator because no understand anything in English. And then she says, says possible plus you name and my daughter. He say, really? Uh, maybe you don't like it because you're from Colombia. Yo. Yeah, I'm from Colombia, but um, I like your name. It's similar to the, my daughter. He say, okay. And then when Wikitoria's boom, was Wikitoria and check the photo. And when the, the lady said, wow. Are you, are you can do it with the name? You're, yes, I like it. <laughs> it's, it's special for me. So nice. Yeah. And I loved it because you told me that when you came to New Zealand, it felt like you were victorious. Yeah. Hey? And yeah. so it's like this victorious arrival in New Zealand, and her daughter is now bearing the name of that in Māori, <laughs> yeah. Wikitoria. Now, Daisy, I met you a few months ago at the community dinner at Strathmore Community Centre. Can you just tell us how did you find out about the dinner and what do you like about coming? Este, for the lady, the, because last year no understand nothing, and my volunteer comes because I'm pregnant. And then my volunteer says, okay, okay, come in the community centre, maybe when US, your baby is coming out. You know English, maybe the lady help. And then, come bro, she talking English, no understand. And then, one day, maybe one month ago, she said, oh, come in you in community dinner. You go, no, thank you. No, thank you. He says, try again, no, thank you. And then look in the Facebook, a free community dinner. And they go, he asked, I, Jenny, why are you eating these people? He said, ah, I said, the Christian, you're wow, it's good. And I like it. Yeah, now it's too many friends. <laughs> yeah. Too many friends, yeah, it's very good for my English. <laughs> because very bad. <laughs> but I can do it. Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. You're doing amazing. One more question, kind of in two parts. So, Daisy, you, when you were little in Colombia, your family took you to church and then you stopped going to church, didn't you, for a lot of years. It's okay, we're not shaming you. There's no shame here. 
And so coming here to the street east has been a new experience of church for you, hasn't it? Can you tell us what it's been like and what has God been doing in you? Wow. <laughs> yes, I remember when my mom and my dad came in the church. 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 They were in. Maybe I have seven every Sunday coming and Wednesday. And let's grow up, teenager. Not coming anymore. <laughs> and then coming here, New Zealand is very new experience for me. Because last year, not, not very good for me. No English, no family, only my kids. And then my God, everything stayed with me, you know? And, well, it's okay. And, Now is now is my stronger, you know. Is I come back in the cruise is very stronger because no only writing my book. It's more different. New Zealand, the people, always different in my country. These people from here is more together, you know? It's more gentle and love the kids. My country is all different. It's beautiful people, beautiful food. Uh Yeah. But there is no security, you know? And coming here is a new experience for me. It's okay. I love talking to Daisy about God because she always talks about God as my God. And, um, it's most important for me. Yeah. I talking with my son every day, every morning. Before they eat him, before out, and coming, thank you, my God. Everything, writing my book and talking when you are the important, my God. The importance. Of thank you every day. Thank you for my life and especially for my man and my dad. I miss you too much. But my God is for me and my little family is the most important in my life. I talking before last year of a very good time for me. Because I have depression. No family, nothing here. And they going to the hospital. I talking with the police, help me please. And then my guy all the time stayed with me. All the time. Now Never up in my in my bed three I am never now can do it. 
for praise. Thank you for my keys. And especially for me, it's my keys. Thank you for my food because here is amazing. You know? And then now it's more stronger for me. Now it's more happy, more gentle. Yeah. Thank you, Daisy. Amazing. Amazing job. <laughs> ah. And we're your family now. We're your family. Okay. Well, I want to take you to a verse to sort of just cast our attention towards next year. And uh, it's just in my reading plan, reading through the Bible this year, 1 Peter 4 verse 7, it says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. Peter says the end of all things is near. It's not some sort of weird end times theory like pick the date. He's saying, he's saying, Jesus died and rose again, and it was like this marker post in the plan of, in the eternal plan of God of salvation. And he's like, we're in the home straight. There's only one more leg of redemptive history to go. Jesus died and rose again, and he left the church with a mission, left the church with a message, left the church with a purpose, and he's coming back for that church. I don't know what it's like for you in the morning when you're maybe running a little bit late, and all the things you could do in your house when you're running late, right, you begin to focus, don't you? There's certain things that you don't do anymore. There's certain things that you're not too worried about. Everything is focused on how do I get out of the house with what I need for today on time. I think that's what Peter's talking about. He's saying that Jesus is coming again. We have a mission. We have a message. And it means I don't want you to get distracted. I don't want you to focus on things that aren't important, aren't helpful. Stop looking at other churches and going, should we do this? Should we do that? You know what you need to do. Get to it. And, and, you know, in this season, we're tired, right? And I don't know if I stood here today and said, church, we're going to go after all of these things next year. I feel like you'd legitimately go, whoa, hold up. And so I want to say to you, we're not announcing lots of new things. We're going after one or two things that we've always been about. But it's like we're doubling down. Because the end of all things is near. Because we're in the home straight. Because we need to focus. Peter then says, not only the end of all things is near, but therefore be alert and of sober mind. These terms are synonymous. They sort of mean the same thing. They mean basically right thinking, have a right view, a little bit like Goldilocks, okay, have a Goldilocks view of all things, not too high, not too low, not too hot, not too cold, as you think about your own life, as you think about your own walk with the Lord, or maybe you're fresh to all of this, and you're discovering, and you're learning, and you're working out what you believe about Jesus, have a right view of yourself, 
you know, it would be easy for you to go, man, I'm not where I want to be. I'm, I haven't got some things done this year and there's some, there's some habits that are still going on and I'm not where I am. Have a right view of yourself. Spend some time. Think about it. Write it down. What has God been doing in your life this year? Have you been maturing? Have you been growing? But then realize we're always a work in progress until Jesus comes back. There will always be things to work on. What is, it, what is the work God is wanting to do in your life? What is the change he is wanting to bring in your life? What is the new thing that he's wanting to do in you? Have right thinking about yourself. We're to have right thinking about the church. We will always be a work in progress. And there are things that God has been doing this year that we're celebrating, but there are things that God continues to want to do. We need to have a right view about, right thinking about our culture. There are so many things to celebrate about our world. There are so many good things that go on. And yet, a right view of our culture tells you that for the last few decades, Christianity is going down and down and down in, in sort of the, what people say in the census. It's a reasonable measure. And no religion is going up and up and up and up. That is not a good thing for us. I don't mean the church, I mean for people, for humanity. But we have a message that I dare to believe still is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We have to be about that. We have to be about that. So if we are to be focused, because the end of all things is near, if we're to be right-minded, understanding that we are a work in progress, I want to just share with you four things that we have to be about. And then one thing that we may be about. So four things that we have to be about. One, okay, is we have to be about disciple-making. We have to be about growing as followers of Jesus. But when you think that, don't just think grown-ups. We have to think about children. We have to think about every single generation in our church. People who are older, people who are younger. I think it's an absolute tragedy that over the years so much effort has gone into children's ministry and it still doesn't seem to make too much of a difference in terms of whether kids become lifelong followers of Jesus or not. I love Kids Zone here. I love the the kids ministry that my kids have been a part of over the eight and a half years that we have been in New Zealand. Jenny and I were a part of leading kids ministry in in the UK for the eight, eight years we were married before we came. Like we are all about kids ministry. But we have to be sober-minded and say, if kids are still walking away from the faith as they grow up, something has to change. And I want to invite you to be a part of a conversation. What does it look like for us to raise kids who are lifelong followers of Jesus? I think it's a village response. Not a, well, as long as we send them to an hour and a half program on a Sunday that we're, we're always struggling to get a team for, then tick in the box. Let's have a right view of this. Let's focus how do we help our tamarikima become total followers, lifelong followers of Jesus Christ? We have to be about gatherings, number two. We have to be about being together. But like I've already said, that's not just about 90 minutes on a Sunday. It's not just about a couple of hours on a Wednesday night if you're a part of a life group. It's about, it's about making the most of every single interaction with one another. It's understanding that change happens around meal tables. Change happens in random conversations. Change happens in serving together. Change happens in focused moments of worship and of teaching and of community. We have to be about gathering together. But like I've already said, the form of that can look really different. So go with us on a journey next year. What, is the best, what are the best gatherings that we actually need that are going to help one another grow as followers of Jesus? 
We have to be about creating space for people who are not yet followers of Jesus to ask questions and discuss and discover him. And so Alpha has to be a thing, and, um, which is an incredible course, an incredible sort of series of gatherings where people get to come and ask questions. Who is God? Who's this Jesus guy? What did he do? What, is it, what does it mean to follow him? We have to be about those gatherings. And Jenny and I are going to start a course because uh, we haven't found anybody to lead one. So Jenny and I are just going to get on with it and do it next year. And uh, if you want to be a part of that, let us know. But that is one thing, new thing that we are going to go after because we have to. We just have to. Um, fourth thing we have to be about is community engagement. You know, one of the things I've learned is that people in our community know charity. They know what it is for people to come in and, and tick the box of giving stuff. They know what it is for people to come in and, and sort of um, feel good about serving and going. But we have to be about consistently about this community. And what will make a difference with community dinners and things like that is not whether we're still doing it in June, but whether we're still doing that or something similar two years down the line. We say we're not about ourselves. We're not making ourselves feel good. We are about working out what's best for this community and making a difference. We're going to be consistent and faithful. I genuinely believe that is what will make the biggest difference. My greatest joy, one of my greatest joys this year, so when, when a leader in the local community came to us and said, we've got this issue with community, would you help us do something about that? And that's the reason we started a parent and baby group on a Wednesday morning in the community centre around the midwife session. But it's because they came to us because they understood something that we have, that, we, that, we, that we've been doing, that we know. That's a, that's a joy. I want to see more of that. Don't you? You can choose whether you say yes or not, but I want to see more of that. So those are four things we have to be about. We have to be about generational discipleship. We have to be about gathering. We have to be about alpha or those sorts of things. We have to be about gauging in the community. This is going to be a shock for you. Um, There's one thing we may be about next year, and that is a permanent building. Um, We are, Angus has woken up. He's like, whoa, hello. What was that all about? (laughs) we may be about a permanent building. We're in talks at the moment um, with uh, the Presbyterian uh, Methodist Church over a building um, down towards Strathmore. And so the sad news is that Miramar Uniting Church is a church that's been going for 100 years and at the end of this year will cease to exist as a congregation. Um, And I won't go into that now. It's a dwindling church. It's a small church. Um, but they've made that tough decision that they're going to cease to exist. And it leaves a building that looks like a church that would service many of our needs. Um, and they've approached us uh, um, to enter into conversation around that. And so I'm waiting for a phone call. I'm waiting for our exec team from the street um, to set up a time for us to go and see them. We're waiting on them, not our exec team. They're fine. Um, and so we're going to go in the next couple of weeks and talk to them. The uh, current sort of talk is that we would potentially lease it for sort of six months with a view to buy it at some point next year. Um, The reason I'm letting you know now at this vague stage is because I want us to pray. I want us to pray. I want you to bring you along on this faith journey because I don't know how much it will cost. I don't know what that will involve. So I want to invite you in on the journey. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
Okay, but also I want to bring you in on the journey because simply this, um, there, are so, there are so many faithful people that I'm looking around at right now who have served so faithfully in driving trucks and moving road cases. We're praying for this screen at the moment because it got a bit wet this morning. Like there are, you know, set up, pack down church is a challenge. But, I, but when I said, what are the four things we have to be about next year, a building wasn't one of them. Because a building isn't the most important thing. And I genuinely believe that a building we have access to 24-7 could be an incredible tool. We could run, you know, alpha courses there. We could run prayer meetings there. We could, you know, we could, we could have a space for the community there. Like, it could be incredible. Um, for, it could be an incredible tool. But it could also be a big, fat money pit and, what, and distraction. And one of the joys of being in temporary buildings is it's forced us to go and build relationship with people, like the principal, the, the teachers here, and, um, and, and like the community spaces around here, like the rugby club and Kids Corner. It's forced us to go to the community center and find spaces where we can actually serve. And, and so I'm not saying a building is the only thing. So I want you to come along this journey with us of saying, is this the right thing? Is this, is this a God thing or is this is a distraction? Um, and so right now, what I want us to do is just, um, would you turn with the people around you and just pray. Pray about what I've talked about, but pray also about, um, about this building. And if you're new to faith, if you're new to Jesus, and you're not really sure what it is, you're quite welcome to be in a circle and just say, I want to listen. And you're quite welcome also um, to, yeah, not take part. That's okay. But just in twos, threes, fours right now, can we just pray real quick? about that, and then we'll wrap up. (sighs) Okay. Hey, would you stand? And, uh, and this is going to feel a little bit weird, like tagged on the end and that sort of thing, but just, just, Focus on this for a moment. You might feel like, oh, the moment's gone. Um, we're going to take communion. And Caitlin's going to lead us. And uh, we're going to be brief. But, you know, in all the things I've talked about today, we want to focus on being the church that God has called us to be. We want to focus on the things that he has called us to do. And all that we do is a response to all that he has done. The reason this is worth it, the reason it's worth pressing on when it's difficult, the reason it's worth carrying on when you're tired, the reason it's worth us gathering is because he's alive. This isn't about religion and rules. It isn't about good moral behavior. It's because God sent his one and only son who died in our place to reconcile us to God and rose again. Like that's it. It's worth giving your life to. It's worth pursuing. It's worth discovering one who would give up and sacrifice so much because he loves you. He wants to know you. And I'm grateful that even if you've never known him today, there is this message of good news for you that Jesus died in your place and rose again. And it's in these moments as we take bread and juice, bread reminding of us his body, juice reminding us of his blood, that we come to a moment where we eat and we drink. And we say, Jesus, I want to thank you that no matter what next year holds, you're alive. And would you lead us? 
in Jesus' name.